Hey, Tim, what's your favorite Easter hymn? Easter hymn? Yeah, or like song, like a song that mm. when you hear it makes your mind jump immediately to Easter. Um, how about uh, how about Easter song? Keith Green's <laughs> Easter song. <laughs> hear the bells ringing, they're singing. Do you know that one? <laughs> no. Oh, my god! But I just love that it's literally called Easter song. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so that's me. What makes your mind jump straight to Easter, Rachel? Well, it's a toss-up, but when I'm thinking resurrection of Jesus Christ, what I think really leads me there is a first reading t-shirt, which we now have up on the podcast website. I just bought one for myself today, and I am so excited because do you know what it says on it? I mean, I know you know, Tim, what it says on it, but listeners, do you know what it says on it? It says nefesh. That's right. <laughs> on the front, it says nefesh, both in Hebrew and in English. And on the back, it says first reading. And it comes in nine colors. And choosing the color that I wanted was the hardest part of my day so far. <laughs> That's a terrible intro to the podcast. I, I know, I know. But it's a really fantastic t-shirt. <laughs> so if you want your very own nefesh first reading t-shirt, head on over to firstreadingpodcast.com and click on the merch link. Why don't we start <laughs> the episode? Let's do it. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that helps you love your Bible better. I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Lutheran pastor teaching biblical studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And I'm Tim McNinch, a PhD candidate at Emory University. Now, Rachel, I'm, I'm glad that you said love your Bible better because that's really what this podcast is about, right? Loving the whole Bible better? Yeah, absolutely. The whole Bible. Well, it's a good thing that you're including the New Testament in there because starting next week, the Hebrew Bible becomes a bit harder to find in the assigned readings from the Revised Common Lectionary. Mm -hmm. Its typical spot is replaced by an Acts reading in the first reading text. I know. And every year we bemoan and lament this fact, dear listeners. Something that I'm sure if you've been listening for a while, you're all both expecting and shaking your head at us for. But... This year, we're going to do something a little different. Yeah, that's right. This year, we're going to embrace the chaos. Instead mm -hmm. of avoiding the Acts readings, we're diving right into them, focusing our laser-sharp attention on them and wearing a pair of Hebrew Bible glasses as we do it. Yeah. We're going to approach each Acts reading with the question, what do we need to know about the Hebrew Bible to help us understand this reading? At least that's what we're doing starting next week. For now, this Easter Sunday gives us one more solid Hebrew Bible reading, so we're going to sit with that one for a bit. Rachel, you're up to talk about Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25. Where do you want to take us? Well, first of all, now I just want a giant pair of glasses that have like the Ten Commandments shape frame <laughs> on them, or like a Hebrew, Hebrew Bible, Bible glasses. glasses. Nice. Yeah, it'd be amazing. What I want to do is start with a zoomed out view of this passage. Well, really what I want to do is I want to do the thing backwards. Backwards? Yeah, backwards. I want to start with the preaching point and then tell you the reasoning mm. for it. Do you have to say spoilers at the beginning? Is that Spoiler. <laughs> the entire thing is a spoiler. Exactly. <laughs> so the spoiler preaching point that I'm suggesting for this week is what I'm calling exasperated hope. Hmm. And what I mean by that is... I want to take Isaiah 65 and actually put it into conversation with the John passage that is the gospel for this week, specifically with Mary Magdalene. So the gospel text for this Easter Sunday is John 20, and it's just one of the most vivid depictions of the resurrection narrative. 
It's got tension. It's got chaos. There are people running everywhere. <laughs> Peter is willing to get his nose right in the mess of death, but he's not yet willing to believe. It's got Mary Magdalene, this fascinating person who is still seeking God with all of her body and heart and spirit, who is still clinging to a shred of hope, even if that hope is just that she'll be able to take care of the dead body of this person that she loves. Mm. And, and so all of this kind of chaos built together starts to paint this picture of what I'm calling exasperated hope. And the reason I get there is, as I was saying, I want to do this backwards. So now I'm actually going to go back to Isaiah 65 and right. talk about how exasperated hope shows up there. So if you go back in that text, even further behind what our lectionary assigns us, at verse one of the chapter, God actually mirrors Mary Magdalene's situation in this sort of like, yeah, mirror image. Hmm. In John, the woman seeks God with a desperate, exasperated hope. In Isaiah, the deity says, I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. Yeah, interesting. So there's there's kind of, like you said, a mirror image of seeking that's brought into focus by putting these two texts in conversation with each other. Yeah, exactly. When you put them in conversation together, it brings out this beautiful mirror image of deity and woman. And I kind of picture both of them in their respective texts with their hands on their hips and their <laughs> shoulders flung back and their mouths just going like, ah! Exasperated. Yeah, exactly. I know we often represent Mary in this text as weeping from sadness and from grief, but if we use this lens of exasperation, I know that when I get really frustrated about something, I cry. So putting these texts together, I think, shows us how both the deity and the woman have this sense of just overwhelming exasperation. They know, each of them, that nothing is going to be different, or they think they know that. Mm -hmm. God knows that the people will not seek life and the love of their creator. Mary knows that all she's going to find is a dead body. And yet, both creator and creature keep seeking and keep hoping. I think the difference and the preaching point here is that Mary, as a creature, can only seek death. Hmm. Or maybe the, the better way to say it is she can only seek life within a framework of death. That's an interesting thought. I'm not, what, what do you mean by that? Well, it's like for Mary, the best that she thinks she can do is just make the best out of a bad situation. She knows that dead bodies are dead bodies. She knows that this particular dead body has been dead for three days. She knows, or she thinks she knows, Death is the end. So all she can do is make the best of the ending, exasperated hope within a framework of death. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. And so I can tell you're kind of leaning in then to the mirror image of that, which would be... Mm -hmm. Yes, that God also experiences exasperated hope in Isaiah, but God is not subject to a framework of death. God created life. God's exasperated hope is not limited to a framework of death. In an earlier chapter, Isaiah 42, 
God says that the divine exasperation is akin to a woman's exasperation when she has had it with going through labor and she is done doing breathing exercises. And now she will gasp, she will pant, she will lay waste to mountains and hills, and she will lead the blind, turning obscurity to light and rough places into level ground. God's exasperation is the exasperation of a woman giving birth to new life. Wow. So one woman is stuck in the framework of death and the other Mm -hmm. um, feminine deity (laughs) is exasperated like a woman giving birth to new life. And, And I think that really pulls on this imagery in Isaiah 65 that's in our lectionary text. Verse 17 says, for I am about to create new heavens right, and a new exactly. earth. Yeah, one in which there's gladness and rejoicing and delight. And I mean, gladness, rejoicing, delight, that sounds like new life, right? Yeah, totally. So I, I feel like both the exasperated hope and the femaleness of Mary Magdalene bring out these aspects of God that we don't often see or talk about in this John text. I mean, so... Verses 22 to 23 in Isaiah overturn in many ways the original consequences of Adam and Eve's sin of eating the fruit in the garden. In verse 22, God says that they shall enjoy the labor of their hands, that they shall not labor in childbirth in vain. It's just this gorgeous image of redemption and rebirth for everybody but the snake. Sorry, snakes. <laughs> That's so funny. But you're right. That's a, like a flipping of the curse in Genesis 3. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and and in verse twenty four, if we're thinking um, Mary and Jesus and John, God says, "Before they call, I will answer." And, yeah. and if we're thinking Mary Magdalene, she's standing there in the garden, weeping out of frustration, and she turns, and before she can call out or say anything, Jesus answers her. He does, and he zeroes in on the heart of the problem for her. He, you know, to bring it kind of all the way back around, woman, why are you weeping? Woman, the same name he called his mother in John 2, weeping, the result of Mary's exasperated hope that can only seek life in the context of death. There are even more resonances between these two texts for the careful preacher or learner to suss out, but I I think this concept of placing God and Mary Magdalene as a mirror image, the one seeking life out of death and the one creating life out of death is a really powerful place to go in an Easter sermon. Oh yeah, definitely. And I love that you're drawing in the reading from the Hebrew Bible, not just as sort of like a background or support for an Easter sermon from the resurrection story, but you really are putting them into conversation. And look how fruitful that is. That's great. So I I hope that preachers will do that and, and make a conversation out of these readings from the lectionary. Well, thanks for working on that this week, Rachel. Sure. Folks, that's going to do it for First Reading this week. To learn more about our hosts and guests, visit us at firstreadingpodcast.com. All of our episodes are there and are easily searchable with our handy-dandy search tool. You can also keep up with us on Facebook or send us an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to all of our supporters, including Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy Easter. <laughs>